Welcome back, Kofkin Bond listeners. We're here with episode 174, and Tony, it's about time it's just you and me back in the seats. It is just the two of us back in the seats, so I apologise in advance to our listeners. <laughs> Mate, it's interesting, we've... Um, We've had a really fun week actually doing a lot of little videos um, and it's actually been about explaining the advice process in little snippets but because it's actually been explaining all the documents that we get signed by clients. Now, that is actually a lot through the process and it can actually become quite overwhelming, um, the standards that we need to keep. Um, and, and for clients, it sort of feels like signing the same thing again. But I guess we wanted to talk about the quality of advice um, and why those things are in place, um, but how we can sort of help guide our clients through that stage of their journey. Well, there's two parts to that, Jamie, is how, how did the industry get to this stage in the first place where there's so many documents that in, in all honesty from don't necessarily add any value to the advice that we provide clients, but and there seems to be a lot of doubling up on documents that is required by ASIC or by the ATO or uh, or by you know the regulators in general. And a lot of clients are just, oh, why do I have to keep signing the same form? Well, they're actually different forms for you know different providers saying the same thing because there's nothing uniformed. Know, across the industry and that's due to regulation so there is a quality advice review currently in process yep. uh, with the lawyer from Minters uh, Michelle Levy and I actually think that's going really well there's a lot of people in our industry who aren't happy with the process but there's a lot of people that are very passionate but in, in general I think it actually is going well because she's actually not focusing as much on the law she's focusing on the processes and the advice that is actually given to a client yeah so let's talk about let's actually work up to the stage before we actually give advice to a client yeah um so we start with a financial services guide yes um, that's the first thing that we we send out outlines our services fees and, and how our how company works yeah and i think that's very professional to do that correct and yeah. i think and i certainly believe that should stay and there's no talk of it not yeah uh, staying. And, and that's the same as um if we look at the finance side of things uh, a credit guide goes straight out to the clients that they or if if i engage a lawyer they send um you know terms of costs and rates and things like that as well so yeah yeah so it's, it's if you're a professional um i think outlining to a client up front what fees will be uh, so there's no surprises but also what your your license to actually provide advice in yeah and I think that's important. So this is probably where it now starts to get more confusing. So the client meets with us, we go through a certain um, you know conversation with them to start with, and then the next document out to them is a terms of engagement. Yeah, and the terms of engagement is, once again, it's another professional document, but it outlines the work that is going to be done, so what they can, and the fees that are going to be charged, and how we as a firm will operate and the ongoing service that will actually be provided. So once again, there should be no surprises to the clients. Now, the, you know, from our perspective, and, and I believe most other firms as well, if we quote for a job, it's very rarely that we have to go back to the client to say, listen, I'm sorry, that quote of 3300 is now $7,000. But unless the client goes and gets us to do work, which is outside the original scope, of course. So from our perspective, we're very comfortable knowing that the work that we actually do, and a lot of clients don't see the work obviously behind the scenes, yeah. but the work that we actually have to do to provide that advice, initial advice document, there's a lot of work that has to be done there. But there's this way to, if the client actually signs that document, 
they know what to expect. And as a firm, as a professional firm, if we don't deliver on what we said we we're going to deliver and the fee that we're going to charge for that, the client has every right to refuse paying that fee or asking for a discount on that fee because we didn't actually deliver. So I think in a way that actually just stops any misunderstanding. So before we do any work, the client knows what the fee is going to be up front. Next document, I guess, it's all around the same time as the terms of engagement because once that's signed, I sort of, the process really kicks into gear, um, but we get a signed fact find. Yes. So a fact find is basically a data collection, uh, to, put a, to put it bluntly. So and one of the reasons why we do a fact find uh, is, is actually how can any professional provide advice if they don't know your current circumstances? Yep. If, if I have to work out how much money somebody needs in retirement, I need to know how much they've already got in their superannuation fund or in other investments. So I can't provide advice for them to say, have $100,000 a year at age 60 tax-free without knowing what their current circumstances are now. Or secondly, knowing from a budget perspective, they, can they afford to implement those measures to be able to achieve those goals or do they have to bring those goals back? So. Um, you need to understand what their mortgage is and what their budget is and what their cash flow is. You need to understand what their insurance requirements are. How can I come to you and say, Jamie, um, you're 31, so you need $1 million worth of life insurance. What do you? What's your mortgage? Do you have children? Are you paying school fees? What are your expenses? Do you have children to a second marriage? Are you paying, uh, are you paying um, you know, child support? Things like that. If we don't know all that situation from a data collection, so if you have a client say, well, why do I need to provide all that to you? Well, because I can't just come to you and say, you need a million dollars worth of life insurance or you should be putting this amount into superannuation. I need to know what your goals are, what you achieve, so the advice that I give is appropriate to your needs and then adjust it accordingly, annually, based on where your new needs are or your goals are or You've got less of a mortgage, so if we insured you for your mortgage, your insurance should be coming down yeah. you know, every year. And we get so the data collection is vitally important. Yeah, and the reason we get that signed off is to come back to you and say, hey, is this true and factual? What we've collected from you during our meetings, um, all that data, is this true and factual? You sign off, yes it is, and then we can proceed to our advice from that stage. Correct. So moving on, we're giving the advice um, at that point, and, and we all, we've talked about it in um, past podcasts, but we, we present a statement of advice. Um, now we need an authority to proceed from that statement of advice. Correct. So the authority to proceed is the client stating, you've run through this with me, I agree with what you've stated, thank you for the advice, I want you to implement the advice. Uh, I'm now signing to give you authority to proceed. And one of the reasons on that too is sometimes privacy comes into a, into a key. So as an example, we're collecting, um, it's a simple example of insurance. We're collecting financial data, we're collecting health data. There's only two groups that should actually see that, us in respect to collecting it, and then secondly, the underwriter at the other end who's actually assessing the, uh, that client's health and will they actually cover them or not. Well, that's, certainly, that insurance it, that's certainly how it works at Golf Combined. Absolutely it is. And I think the key to that is also in respect to they understand the authority to proceed and sometimes the authority to proceed is adjusted. Uh, so the client might say, yeah, listen, I like that but um, and that makes sense to me. But right now, I, I, I don't want to pay that much for insurance. I'll take the risk. And that's okay. You know, so as I've always said, insurance is not an all or nothing scenario, or even in respect to, the, um, you know, the 
superannuation or private investments or whether they're going to do gearing on those private investments in a tax position. Sometimes a client just wants to adjust that slightly because they might not have told us of, you know, a uh, inheritance that is due in, say, a year's time. Now, if that inheritance is due, they might not need to contribute any more money to superannuation to achieve that retirement goal, as an example. Yep. So I guess the authority proceeds being in, um, they're ready to go with the advice. Now, this is probably where they get a little bit overwhelmed in regards to uh, applications. So um, full-scale advice, full services, um, you know, we're providing insurance, investments, superannuation, um, mortgage, things like that. It becomes a, a lot. There's a lot of documents, and sometimes it seems like you're doubling up on those documents. So as an example, even from our perspective, we have to uh, sign off forms that we believe the client is who they state there. We've checked yep. all their identification. We've signed off on the anti-money laundering. We've signed off on the privacy legislation. There seems to be a lot of forms that a client has to provide us for us to be the custodians of their wealth. Yep. And there does seem to be a lot of doubling up. Well, I think even the confusion, and we've made some small videos about it, but, you know, binding death nominations. Yeah, it's, it's you know, what is a binding death nomination? So, you know, we've seen clients come in that have superannuation funds, usually uh, non-advised superannuation funds like industry funds, etc., where they've actually left beneficiaries who legally, under the CIS Act, cannot be a beneficiary. Yeah, And that means there could be a disputed estate in the event of death um, etc. For that client, you know, has it, has there been taken into account? Is this a first or second marriage? Is are there children or estranged children uh, to the relationship? Um, is there, you know, a potential uh, claim against the estate? Is there a child that might uh, have a drug dependency or gambling problems that they don't necessarily want to leave money exposed to them because they think it will be uh, flitted away? can the beneficiaries that they want to be beneficiaries actually be beneficiaries under the CIS Act um, or not? So these are, these are the things that take into consideration. Now, that type of advice, we understand the CIS Act, we can't make that determination for the client of who it is because that now becomes legal advice. So under that, we might have to get them a lawyer involved at this case or introduce them to our panel of lawyers for them to choose one to be able to then state, okay, who should I, because that does form part of their estate plan and we're not lawyers, we can't put that in place. Yep, so we're, there's one other document during this application process and, and it really lends in hand in hand with the authority to proceed. Um, and I think it's that that's where we're feeling that double up coming, but the ongoing service agreement. Yeah, so the ongoing service agreement is a, well, as per states, we're gonna provide you service ongoing. What can you expect for the fees that you actually pay us? What is it that you can actually expect for that service? And we actually will then spell out what they can actually expect for that service. Once again, if they ask us to do work throughout the year, which is outside of the scope of that ongoing service agreement, we might have to agree to an additional fee. That's very rarely happened with our clients because we're very, you know, we, we do offer full service yep. uh, for all of our clients. So, so that when they when the client signs that ongoing service agreement, that sets what's an anniversary date for us. Correct. So, from that anniversary date, we, we move forward twelve months. Everything's been put in place, application, all the documents we've talked about. At that anniversary period of that twelve months, um, there's sort of multiple forms that go out, which we call you know fee disclosure statements as well as fee consent. Now, they are two different ones because they're coming from two different sources. 
The FDS is coming from us. Just explain what an FDS is. Yeah, so fees disclosure statement. So within a fee disclosure statement, we state the past 12 months, Mm -hmm. um, what we've charged you uh, as an advice fee um, that we've outlined within our ongoing service agreement. And then we also look forward to the next 12 months. If there's any adjustments that need to be made, if there's a reduction, an increase, we look forward to those 12 months. Um, You get that document, you sign off, and, and you've agreed to that fee disclosure. So, you know, being transparent about the past and then looking forward to the future with us as well. And that resets that 12 months. Um, the other one that comes is a fee consent. So if we charge from a platform, um, whether that be your investment platform. That What's we're, a platform, Jim? <laughs> well, I think you'd be the right one as the advisor to answer this, but a platform is really where we're housing your funds. Yes. Um, so, you know, it's an administration service that provides to do all the administration, taxation, reporting, etc. Taxation is the big one that really yeah. does provide and, yeah. and your accountants love when we can give the reports from there. Absolutely. So from there, if we're charging an advice fee, which which happens quite a lot within the industry, because that's where your investments, you know, you're paying it without your superannuation or your investments and not out of cash flow. Um, you know, if a fee is being charged there, will you need to consent for that fee to be deducted from that platform? That's correct. Yeah. Now, as an example, though, a client can terminate their services with us at any time. Yep. And if they do, that's okay. Now, obviously, uh, we manage clients through what we call a separately managed account. Yep. And as a result of that, that's our proprietary uh, investment. Investment. Uh, so the only thing is, is that if a client decides to leave, not a problem. Uh, the funds get paid into cash, and then they are able to move those funds wherever they choose. So, so you can actually terminate an ongoing service agreement with us or with your advisor. Yep. Uh, and that's not a problem. It's not as if they're locked in for that full twelve month period, uh, because the fees are paid charged monthly. Uh, but on that basis is they can also terminate that agreement at any time for whatever reason. They don't even have to give a reason. Clear as mud, Tony? Yeah, but it's the complexity, isn't it, of our industry. And this is what the uh, quality advice review is actually about, is what in there... So as an example, some clients the other day, they asked us some questions of just about monthly cash flow for cost of insurance and their superannuation and why they're paying for this advice two-page response to them. That two-page response, in all honesty, just outlined the value of the advice better than the 40-page statement of advice, yeah. <laughs> which, is, which is a legal document that actually has to be provided. But that two-page response realistically should have been the planned statement of advice for them. The And that's the unfortunate thing is we actually have to provide that 40-page document by law which a lot of times the clients, yeah, they, they skim through, go through with us. They just want to get to how am I going to be in a better position and am I going to achieve my goals? And that's what the quality advice review process is looking at is how do we make this more accessible? Because a lot of the fees that planning firms charge are based on the amount of work that gets put into. So if we can still have the client protected in their best interest, but lower the amount of work that actually has to get done for them based on what is best for you, Mr. and Mrs. Client, versus what we have to do to tick boxes. That's where the advice process can actually be quicker, more transparent, and actually faster for the clients without going back to those days, even just as you know, much as 15 years ago. So as an example, one of the things was um, they used to pay investment commissions. Yep. Stockbrokers still charge uh, a percentage of fees, so they still charge a fee, but whether they re- if they recommend you sell BHP and buy ANZ, they're not getting paid anything more for recommending BHP or ANZ, they still just charge their fee. 
when it comes to uh, managed funds or annuities and things like that, you used to get paid a commission. You know, sometimes there was nil entry fee to the client, but you actually got paid a commission. And that's where a conflict of interest could come in, where an advisor would be recommending you change investments on a you know yearly basis to continually get that upfront fee yep. all the time, which is not to the benefit of the client, but was the benefit of the advisor. It's now illegal uh, for any investment to actually pay a investment commission. So based on that, those conflicts have actually been taken out of it, uh, out of the industry. So hopefully with those conflicts now actually, and even life insurance as an example, all life insurance companies pay the exact same percentage as a commission. So there's no one company that pays more uh, than the other, they all pay the exact same amount. So this is where you just look at an insurance contract based on definitions, and the better the definitions, the higher likelihood of a successful claim being paid. So, so based on that, with conflicts pretty much being eradicated uh, from the industry, hopefully we can sh- we can show the value of advice more and streamline advice more for the client benefit rather than ticking boxes to what we actually have to do for compliance. But Jamie, the reason why the industry got to this level of complexity in the first place was because it was a bit of a dog's breakfast and there were people out there that were churning business purely to earn commissions and not to the benefit of the client in any way. So hoping moving forward uh, with all those conflicts now long gone out of the industry, the industry being far more professional, half the advisors have actually now left the industry uh, from that aspect because they just couldn't survive. I think you're just going to see a far more professional industry working for the benefit of the clients at all times. And that's realistically, that's utopia for the industry, but more importantly, it's absolute utopia for the clients. Love it. Thanks, Danny. The Coffin Bond Podcast is a product from Coffin Bond & Co., which we are an authorised representative of Can Financial. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal or tax advice. The hosts of the Kofkin Bond Podcast are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decision, you should read the product disclosure statement and if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from the podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Kofkin Bond website or you can find resources on the ASIC website and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Kofkin Bond and co and the hosts of the Kofkin Bond Podcast acknowledge the traditional custodians of the country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today.